With an outspoken libertarian, Stone has appeared on thousands of broadcasts, spoken at countless venues, and lectured before the prestigious Oxford Political Union and the Cambridge Union Society. Due to his four-plus decades in the political and cultural arena, Stone has become a pop culture icon. And now, here's your host, Roger Stone. Welcome, I'm Roger Stone, and yes, you are back in the Stone Zone. We have a lot of ground to cover tonight, uh, including yesterday's anticlimactic Fox Republican presidential debate, which in my opinion was a train wreck. But before we get to that, uh, I am shocked at the outrageous level of lawfare against President Donald Trump particularly in his native state of New York. Helping us break that down now is Mike Davis, former chief counsel to the Senate Judiciary Committee uh, under Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa uh, and a proud America first patriot. He joins us on the Stone Zone now. Mike, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Great. So uh, you almost don't know where to start. Um, this ruling in New York by a New York state judge essentially, and I'm not an attorney, you are, but essentially destroys Donald Trump's real estate enterprises in New York. Uh, it, it ends his business certificates, his ability to do business. Uh, it essentially takes control of his real estate properties and would move them to a third party. Not clear whether that is for management or whether that is for liquidation. The whole thing seems un-American to me. What, what's going on here? Yeah, this is part of the Democrats' lawfare and election interference because they fear they can't beat Trump. On November 20, November 5th, 2024, they've after they've impeached him twice, they've indicted him four times, and then they have this bogus civil fraud lawsuit brought by New York Attorney General Tish James, this Democrat partisan attorney general who campaigned on getting Trump, and she brought these fraud allegations for the non-fraud of a businessman paying back sophisticated Wall Street banks in full with interest. And they're, tr they're trying to say that Trump inflated his, uh, his worth, his net worth, when he applied for these bank loans. Well, first of all, he didn't. Like one example is they say that Mar-a-Lago is worth only $18 million. If you look at Mar-a-Lago, it's like 20 acres down in Palm Beach on Billionaire's Row, uh, that it's, I think it's the only property down there that touches both the intercoastal uh, intercoastal waterway along with the ocean. And so a tennis court at Mar-a-Lago is worth more than $18 million. But they're saying that Trump somehow committed fraud because he said it was valued substantially more than $18 million, right? That's part of that. But setting aside all this, how is there fraud? Who was damaged by this supposed Ride where Trump paid back these banks in full with interest. They have on these financial uh, disclosures that you make to these banks to securely these loans. These d disclosures clearly say you can't rely on this. Do on your do your own due diligence. And he's. You think Trump is 
uh, duping the most sophisticated banks in the world, these Wall Street banks? Of course not, right? This is just part of partisan lawfare by, tried, by, by President Trump to take him out. And Tish James got this Democrat New York judge, Arthur Engelwan, or whatever the hell his name is, to go along with this nonsense. And this judge just ruled by fiat, no trial, let alone a jury trial, that Trump committed fraud. Before the trial, trial is supposed to start, this judge just said, sure, Trump committed fraud, even though there is disputed evidence that you should try to resolve in a trial by a jury. So this is this is garbage. This is this is Marxist type, type tactics that you see from the Democrats. This judge also said he's he's going to pull President Trump's business licenses along with the business licenses of Trump's kids in New York. This is just outrageous what they're doing to him. This is this is these third world Marxist dictators would blush. And how brazen this is, what these Democrat prosecutors and Democrat judges are doing to President Trump. Yeah, it does seem to have a certain uh, Mad Hatter quality to it. In other words, first we'll have the verdict, then we'll have the trial. Uh, it really makes very little sense. Uh, does New York State uh, allow an interlocutory appeal? In other words, can Trump move this partial decision made by the judge immediately to the state appeals court. Well, Trump tried to get tried to do that and the appellate court predictably because the New York has become a hellhole of democrat judges and lawyers this New York appellate court said no the trial has to proceed. I mean, what what is this New York judicial system going to allow here? They're going to let a judge just decide without a trial, without a jury trial, without considering all the evidence and, and witnesses, they're just going to look at a motion by this Democrat New York Attorney General Tish James, who is Trump deranged and campaigned on getting Trump. This this Democrat judge is just going to look at her side and say, yeah, Trump committed fraud. We're going to find that he committed fraud, find him, find his attorneys, his reputable attorneys, this judge like issued fine sanctioned all of his attorneys for making valid legal arguments and now they're just going to yank his license away from him this is outrageous what they're doing and uh, this is what i say to these republicans who are awfully quiet during this lawfare against president trump i've been screaming at the top of my lungs for 13 months about this since the mar-a-lago raid last august because guess what guys this is not going to end with president trump president Trump is simply in their way. This is not our parents or grandparents' Democrat party. These are not liberals who love America and just disagree with conservatives on the best way to get there. These are leftists. These are Marxist. They hate America. They hate free speech. They believe in censorship. They hate due process. They believe in Me Too presumption of guilt and politicized and weaponized justice systems. They hate equality. They believe in BLM equity. These these people are out for power. They're out for our heads. Trump is simply in their way. And I would just remind people who don't understand this, just look at 100 years of Marxism with 100 million people who were killed by these Marxists. They don't just stop with the non-Marxists. They, they end up killing everyone, right? So people need to stand up right now against this lawfare, whether it's through these four indictments for non-crimes or for this bogus civil fraud lawsuit by this Democrat New York attorney general and this Democrat New York judge, 
These are republic ending tactics. If they can take out a former president and a potential future president who is a billionaire, just imagine what they can do to the rest of us. Look what they're doing with parents protesting at school board meetings because they're outraged by gender chaos and the resulting rapes in their schools. Look what they're doing to pro-life Christians praying outside of abortion clinics, throwing them in prison. This is not going to end well for our country, and it's time for people to wake up and stand up to this lawfare. Yeah, it is kind of uh, uh, counterintuitive. Uh, the more they attack President Trump uh, with these this tsunami of lawfare, whether it is in the District of Columbia, whether it is in Manhattan, New York, whether it is in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, whether uh, it is in uh, South Florida, uh, the stronger he gets politically, the more Americans see through this. Uh, we clearly have a, a collision coming uh, because they do not intend to let the president run for re-election unencumbered. He is at this point, leading by either 40 or 50 percent, he has decimated the opposition within the Republican Party. Uh, he's left the Republican establishment sputtering. Uh, he has energized the grassroots. His outreach yesterday in Michigan to UAW members was one of the most extraordinary historic things I have seen in American politics, which will only hasten the realignment of working class people into the America first Republican Party of Donald Trump. Uh, but their answer seems to be more lawfare, uh, more uh, abuse of the judicial system to try to destroy one man and his movement. I have to believe that it is not coincidental uh, that the judge in New York issued this unilateral ruling, sans a trial, uh, on the very same day that House Republicans absolutely, sorry, Jerry Nadler, established payments from China directly to Hunter Biden, listing Joe Biden's home as his home address. This, of course, flies in the face of Joe Biden's bald-faced claim that no member of his family had ever received a penny from China. Mike, do you think this is just a, a coincidence? No, of course not. Every time there's bad evidence that comes out on Joe Biden and Hunter Biden or James Biden or one of these other scumbag sleazeball Bidens, they go after Trump. They've done this repeatedly. They've done this for years. They they went after Trump twice. They impeached him twice for merely one time for merely asking questions, doing his job as the president of the United States to make sure American citizens and American politicians are not engaged in foreign corruption and bribery. He merely asked about this, about Joe Biden, his $10 million foreign corruption and bribery scheme with Burisma in Ukraine. What did the Democrats do? They impeached President Trump for merely asking. They impeached him twice. They've indicted him four times. Uh, they brought this civil lawsuit. And the next thing they're going to do is they're going to try to disqualify him under the 14th Amendment to the Constitution. They're, they're going to try to say, that this provision of the 14th Amendment passed after the Civil War to disqualify Confederate sympathizers and soldiers who, who engaged in insurrection and rebellion against the United States, uh, they're, they're going to try to turn that on Trump. They're trying to do it now to say that even if President Trump 
has the support of the American people, even if the American people want him to be the next president of the United States, they are just going to have their Democrat judges and their Democrat hellholes remove President Trump from the ballot and have President Biden win by default. Uh, that is certainly uh, a draconian uh, prediction. Let us pray that it does not come true. Let's come back to the 14th Amendment question in a moment, uh, Mike. Uh, I'm curious uh, about your views on this proposed uh, protective order, really a gag order uh, in the District of Columbia. Uh, the prosecutor, Jack Smith, the special counsel, has proposed essentially a gag against Donald Trump. Uh, discussing any aspect of that case, but also discussing the broader connotations uh, of that case. Uh, he is a duly qualified candidate for president of the United States. Uh, he has an absolute First Amendment right. I have uh, been down this particular road. Last night on MSNBC, uh, Andrew Weissman uh, defamed me yet again. No, I did not threaten a federal judge during my trial. No, I did not lie about it. I have addressed this very extensively, including under oath. Uh, the fake news doesn't like uh, my truthful narrative, so they rewrite history. Uh, that was used as an excuse to gag me. I appealed that gag uh, to the D.C. Court of Appeals, uh, who sat on my appeal for eight solid months. Those are eight months in which I could not comment on anything, not just my trial. I could make no public comment on any issue. Uh, I was sustaining very substantial damage from CNN and MSNBC uh, and the Washington Post, the dominant newspaper uh, in the jurisdiction in which I was to be tried. Uh, but the judge had no concern about those uh, news reports tainting a jury. Uh, it was my meager social media following that had the potential to taint the jury. Theoretically, the gag order by law, when they are imposed, are supposed to be designed to protect uh, the, the defendant's uh, right to a free trial. In this case, um, I see something far more sinister. Uh, although the judge has not ruled on this, uh, I expect her to grant the government's uh, motion. Uh, what say you? I, I agree with you. This is this D.C. Obama judge, Tanya Shutkin. She was appointed to the federal bench. So was her husband. She was an Obama donor, and she has been a uh, she's been a the the harshest sentencer of the January 6th defendants, harsher than I think every other federal judge. At the same time, she makes excuses for the much more dangerous, much more deadly BLM and Antifa rioters. She, she was very soft on criminals until there were Trump supporters who were trespassing at the Capitol and taking selfies on the Senate floor. And then all of a sudden, this judge, this Obama judge, Tanya Shukin, became very tough on crime. Remember, President Obama stacked the D.C. District Courts and the D.C. Court of Appeals with hardcore leftists, Marxists. This Tanya Shutkin, her grandfather and her uncle were Marxist revolutionaries from Jamaica, right? And the apple doesn't fall very far from the tree. And that's been proven over and over and over again with her left-wing rulings where she is particularly harsh. Like you said, what, what happened to you was so un-American and it set such a dangerous 
precedent in our legal system. It is the defendants, not the governments, that has the Sixth Amendment right to a fair public and speedy trial. The government does not have a right to a fair trial. The government does not have a right to a public trial. The, the government does not have the right to a speedy trial. The criminal defendant does. It is American citizens, particularly criminal defendants who need it the most, who are allowed to speak out against their government under the First Amendment. Criminal defendants are allowed to cr criticize the judge. They're allowed to criticize the prosecutor. They're allowed to criticize the process. The only time that criminal defendants cross the line is if they are criminally obstructing justice by intimidating witnesses, which is a very high bar. And you monitor that through a through the criminal justice system, uh, through criminal prosecution, not an unconstitutional and un-American gag on a criminal defendant as they're going through the criminal process. This is what you would do in North Korea, uh, Zimbabwe, and other third world Marxist hellholes like New York City, like DC, and like Atlanta now. Uh, so let's go back to the question now of the 14th Amendment, because uh, I see exactly what you're talking about. First of all, I think it is important to know that at least so far, uh, the charges brought against President Trump in DC do not include uh, seditious conspiracy, do not include insurrection of, against the United States, uh, which would, if he were convicted, um, would uh, eliminate his ability to seek a federal office. Uh, I've seen a brilliant argument by uh, the criminal defense lawyer, David Schoen, as to why the 14th Amendment, Article 3, does not apply in this sense, that the qualifications to be president of the United States are uh, are uh, are laid out elsewhere in the U.S. Constitution, uh, but just because, let's say, the Secretary of State in Colorado, who's a leftist Democrat, just because it is their opinion uh, that Donald Trump participated in an insurrection, he should be barred from the ballot. Wouldn't it or shouldn't it take some conviction in some court uh, to make that assertion? Absolutely. And David Schoen uh, is talking about the legal argument made by Stanford law professor Michael McConnell, who is a former uh, judge, former appellate judge, federal appellate judge on the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals that is based out of Denver, Colorado. When I clerked for then Judge Gorsuch on the Tenth Circuit, Judge McConnell was on the Tenth Circuit out of Utah. Uh, it's a Denver-based court. Judge McConnell is no fan of President Trump by any means. He's he's uh, he's conservative, he's libertarian, but he's not a Trump fan, and he's made that very clear. But Judge McConnell, uh, Professor Law, Professor uh, McConnell now has made it very clear that what the Democrats are pursuing is very dangerous. This is the most anti-democratic thing you can you can do in a country like this, where you have these partisan election officials, whether it's the Colorado Secretary of State or the New Hampshire Secretary of State or some other partisan official who thinks that they can just take a presidential candidate off the ballot. Here's what happened with the 14th Amendment. We fought this civil war, the Union won, and they passed the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments to outlaw slavery, guarantee uh, due process and equal protection of the law for the freed black slaves and to give voting rights to the freed black male slaves. That was expanded to women later 
with the 19th Amendment, but that's what the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments did at the time. And as part of this, there was a concern after the Civil War that these Confederate sympathizers, even Confederate soldiers, were winning office into the to the U.S. House of Representatives and other offices, and they were undermining the Reconstruction and the post-war effort. They were under, undermining the Union after the Civil War. So they passed Section 3 of the 14th Amendment that uh, disqualified people who engaged in insurrection or rebellion during the Civil War. They were disqualified from holding office. But what, what, how the 14th Amendment works is there is Section 5. So that's Section 3, the Disqualification Clause. There's Section 5 that gives Congress the power to pass legislation to give effect to the 14th Amendment, including Section 3's Disqualification Clause. And that was in 1869, I believe, that they passed the 14th Amendment. In 1870s, when they passed a federal criminal statute pursuant to Section 3's Disqualification Clause that deals with insurrection and uh, that deals with rebellion and insurrection, that was updated to its current version in 1948, and it includes a disqualification clause. So if, if you want to disqualify President Trump for running for office under the 14th Amendment, a federal prosecutor has to bring federal charges under the specific federal statute for rebellion and insurrection. You have to uh, present evidence. You have to convince a jury unanimously beyond a reasonable doubt that he's guilty. A judge has to enter a conviction and an appellate court has to uphold that conviction as a matter of law. Until that happens, you cannot disqualify anyone under the 14th Amendment. And if anyone tries to do this, it seems to me that a Republican prosecutor should use Fannie Willis and Jack Smith's bogus January 6th theory. Maybe that maybe a Republican prosecutor can bring racketeering charges against these people who are po pushing this bogus disqualification theory. Yeah, I'm actually surprised that no one has suggested a civil RICO case uh, against uh, uh, Special Counsel Jack Smith, who's very clearly coordinating his efforts with the district attorney uh, in uh, in Fulton County, uh, with the district attorney uh, in Manhattan. Again, I'm not a lawyer. I understand it wouldn't take precedence over a criminal case, but I do think it might be an opportunity to showcase uh, the abuses that are going on. Let me turn, if we may, uh, to the uh, so-called documents case uh, in Florida. I, I see a huge amount of debate uh, in the public about whether the documents that were retained by Donald Trump were classified or not classified, which I, I, I think, based on my reading of it, is kind of beyond the point. The president, uh, President Trump, takes the position that under the 1977 Presidential Records Act, he has the full authority to do whatever he wants with his records, regardless of the, the classification of those records. Uh, that seems to me to be consistent with a decision by Judge Amy Berman Jackson, ironically the judge in my case, uh, which upheld President Bill Clinton's authority to uh, keep his presidential documents, which he, in fact, uh, left some of them in the sock drawer uh, in his home. Uh, so is President Trump correct? Is this is all of this much ado about nothing? Or do they not seek to convict the president over his handling of documents, but instead charge him with some 
process crime, in this case, the crime of obstruction, I guess. Yeah, so I've been talking about this. Uh, it was a lonely, lonely fight for 13 months, Roger, but I'm glad that uh, Republican members of Congress are finally finding the backbone to fight back after we've changed the poll numbers on this, where 60% of Americans see this uh, Jack Smith prosecution for Mar -a -Lago, after the Mar-a-Lago raid as a political hit. So again, it, it, it's amazing that Republicans have found their backbone. And it seems like the DC swamp is the only place on the planet where the reptiles lack backbones. And so I'm glad that they're finding theirs. But yes, under the Presidential Records Act, uh, Trump was absolutely within his rights to have his presidential records. Presidential records are any document created or received by the president or his White House staff. And under the Presidential Records Act, so if a document is created by the, uh, by the CIA or the FBI and sent to the president to advise him, those are presidential records. And under the Presidential Records Act, he's allowed to access his presidential records anytime he wants. So the argument is, is under the Clinton software case, President Clinton had eight years of highly classified audio recordings of his presidency, 79 tapes stuffed into his sock drawer. And these were discussions he had with foreign leaders, discussions he had with his top national security officials. And Tom Fitton at Judicial Watch sued and said, he can't just take these government records. These are presidential records. They belong to the government. He can't just have these. And as you said, this Obama judge said under the Presidential Records Act, the fact that President Clinton took these records when he left office and didn't turn them over to the archives, to the, the librarians and the bureaucrats at the National Archives, deems these records personal under the Presidential Records Act. And so he gets to, to decide. The president makes the sole determination whether these are personal records that belong to him or they are presidential records that get sent to the bureaucrats and other librarians, their government records, but he can access them anytime he wants. And so they categorize them and send it to, to the former president to put in his library. Regardless, under the Presidential Records Act, the president has the statutory right to access his presidential records anytime he wants. And so if he has the right to have these records, how is it espionage for him to have these records? How is it espionage for him to not turn over these records? How is it obstruction of justice to not turn over records that he's allowed to have under the Presidential Records Act? There is an OLC binding legal opinion on Jack Smith and the Justice Department from 2019 that it is nearly impossible to obstruct investigations into non-crimes. If it is not a crime for the president to have his personal records or presidential records under the Presidential Records Act, uh, how is it obstruction of justice of President Trump's being a jerk and telling the librarians to pound sand they can't have his records? Uh, I have uh, spoken uh, very widely uh, about the attempted crucifixion uh, of former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani. Uh, all Rudy Giuliani seems to me to have done is to zealously represent the point of view and the legal interests of his client, former President Donald Trump. Uh, in both uh, the DC case uh, and in the Fulton County case, it seems to me that you have uh, an underlying premise that Donald Trump knew in his heart and in his mind that he had in fact lost the election 
and then corruptly conspired with others to hold on to power. Uh, in other words, uh, as I understand it, mens rea is state of mind. The problem with that, of course, is that it doesn't matter who told Donald Trump that he had lost. Based on the anomalies and irregularities in that election, uh, $300,000 popping, uh, 300,000 ballots popping up in the middle of the night in Michigan uh, while Republican observers were barred to watch their counting, just for example. Um, I don't know how they prove Donald Trump's state of mind uh, in order to meet the threshold for their basic charges. H how is this possible? Well, even if everything that Jack Smith and Fannie Willis allege, even if everything they allege is true, there is not a crime. They're not alleging a crime. It is not a crime to object to presidential elections. It is allowed by the Electoral Count Act of 1887. If it were a crime to object to a presidential election, Democrats would be in prison for, for objecting to Republican wins in 1968, 2000, 2004, and 2016. It is not a crime to twist arms politically. Uh, if it were a crime, that's protected by the First Amendment. It's not a crime to be a jerk. If it were a crime to be a jerk, every politician in America, except for Chuck Grassley, my former boss, who was actually a nice guy, but just about every other politician in America would be in prison for being a jerk. This is election interference. This is lawfare. Unless there is evidence that Rudy Giuliani had the real electors tied up in his trunk and sent in fake electors with fake IDs, uh, th there's no crime here. This is absurd what they're doing here. They're trying to criminalize the political process. They're trying to criminalize political disagreement. They are criminalizing protected speech and protected conduct under federal statute, the Electoral Count Act of 1887 and the First Amendment. Uh, as you know, uh, former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, a man I do not know, a man I've never communicated with. I did meet him once many years ago in a green room at Fox when he was a congressman. So contrary to sworn testimony before the January 6th committee, I had no communications with him on January 5th or 6th or any other date through any medium whatsoever. Cassidy Hutchison. So, uh, but he has moved uh, to remove the charges against him uh, in uh, Fulton County to federal court. Uh, it is my understanding that while he has some argument, President Trump has a much stronger argument in terms of moving, removing the charges in Fulton County to federal court in his case, uh, but so far he has not made such a motion. Uh, your thoughts? Well, I mean, I, so look, if you're bringing charges against a federal official for what they're doing in their official capacity, that that could be that that should be removed to federal court. That there is a federal removal statute, and the whole purpose of that is you don't want local prosecutors and local judges hobbling the presidency and the executive branch with bogus uh, indictments and bogus charges that go to uh, that go to state court. You bring them to federal court, where these judges are supposed to be more insulated from the political process. They're lifetime appointed. They're uh, they're pay protected, and they're, 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 they're supposed to look out for the national interest instead of 
the, the local interest of the local prosecutor of the local court. Separate from the removal, President Trump and his lawyers need to move forward with a motion to dismiss both of these January 6th indictments, both by Jack Smith in D.C., a partisan hack Democrat operative who got unanimously reversed by the Supreme Court, eight to nothing. It would have been nine to nothing, but Justice Scalia passed away before he could rule when Jack Smith bought, brought bogus corruption charges to take out Virginia Governor Bob McDonnell, a likely presidential or vice presidential candidate in 2016. He got Jack Smith got unanimously reversed by the Supreme Court several years later, but the damage was already done to Bob McDonnell. They took him out. Jack Smith is running the same play here with, with President Trump, both in Mar-a-Lago and with January 6th. Jack Smith is a political scud missile Democrats send in to take out Republican uh, presidential candidates or vice presidential candidates or inconvenient Democrats like uh, you know John Edwards in North Carolina. But, but regardless, uh, President Trump should move forward with these motions to dismiss in D.C. and down in Georgia under uh, two different grounds. Number one, presidential immunity. To the extent that President Trump is acting with as the president of the United States, what he did is in his official capacity, he is immune from prosecution under the theory of presidential immunity. It's a it's a branch of sovereign immunity. And if if you're the president of the United States is telling his vice president to do something, that's obviously within his presidential powers because he couldn't do that as a private citizen. A private citizen couldn't order a vice president to do anything a president could. Alternatively, if President Trump is acting within his personal capacity instead of his presidential capacity, what he did was protected by the First Amendment. Again, it is only a crime to object to presidential elections and to twist arms politically in third world Marxist hellholes like North Korea and Zimbabwe and now New York, D.C. and Atlanta. Yeah, unfortunately, it would be uh, both naive uh, and realistic uh, to pretend uh, that the courts at all levels are not affected by the national political atmosphere. Uh, a number of the court rulings, both uh, federal rulings uh, and Supreme Court rulings, uh, in the wake of Watergate against President Richard Nixon were constitutionally incorrect, or as lawyers would say, wrongly decided. But the atmosphere in the country was so virulently anti-Nixon uh, that Nixon, nor his point of view, could ever get a fair hearing in the courts. Uh, and so many of those rulings set precedents uh, for future uh, abuses of presidential authority and indeed executive privilege. Uh, this, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a political animal, I'm not an attorney, but I recognize that Donald Trump is... Uh, experiencing a political resurgence in this country that is unlike anything that I have seen in 45 plus years in American politics. I, I am a student of Donald Trump. Uh, I have watched uh, Trump's poll numbers since uh, we began taking them in 1988, just to gauge what public attitudes were towards him. Uh, I have seen a dramatic shift in those numbers uh, in recent weeks that are unlike anything I've ever seen uh, in, uh, in as a veteran of 13 national Republican presidential campaigns. I know, Mike, I look much younger than I am. Uh, it, but it is really, it's quite extraordinary 
that that the entire campaign of lawfare against him is backfiring so spectacularly. Uh, I can't tell you that I know how this ends. Uh, James Michael Curley uh, actually was elected mayor of Boston while sitting in a prison cell. Uh, it is conceivable that if Donald Trump is convicted of some crime that does not include uh, insurrection and therefore is eligible to be on the ballot, and assuming uh, that he defeats these various state-based efforts uh, to, re to prevent him from being on the ballot uh, without valid basis, just because this is the opinion of some secretary of state or some other election official that he participated in an insurrection, but there's no underlying judicial decision that says that, uh, it is not inconceivable to me, uh, and he seems to be ready for this, just reading his public comments, he could actually get elected president while unfairly and unjustly incarcerated. Is that possible? Sure. I mean, the qualifications to be president are outlined in the Constitution, and there's no disqualification for any crime uh, other than uh, the for impeachment and removal. Uh, so if he was if he were impeached and removed, you can disqualify or the uh, the disqualification clause for insurrection or rebellion. And they're not charging him with insurrection or rebellion after the January 6th Kangaroo Commission spending tens of millions of dollars and the Biden Justice Department spending tens of millions of dollars and the media spending many, many months looking for insurrection uh, or rebellion evidence against him. How many insurrectionists get to the floor of a nation's capital and walk through velvet ropes and take selfies and follow police direction and don't burn down the place? January 6th was a lawful protest uh, permitted by the National Park Service that got out of control. Uh, some would say by, uh, provoked, uh, but it got out of control. It turned into a, a riot. It was not an insurrection. I mean, it's just silly to say it was an insurrection. If it were an insurrection, why hasn't Trump been in charge, uh, charged with insurrection or, or inciting a rep, uh, insurrection or rebellion? He said to go peacefully. They had a permit from the National Park Service. So separate from that, think about what they're doing to Donald Trump. The American people see right through this. And, uh, you know, it, it's, you know, after a thousand media hits, the, over a thousand media hits that I've done over the last 13 months, I hope that Article 3 Project has played a small part in changing public opinion on this stuff because 13 months ago, everyone thought that Trump was toast after the Mar-a-Lago raid. And I'll tell you what, what we've been saying all along is this is lawfare. This is election interference. How are they going after President Trump for records he's allowed to have under the Presidential Records Act while, secret, while Garland secretly colluded with Biden for two months to cover up five stashes of stolen classified records that Biden had as vice president and even a senator moved several times unguarded for years, uh, likely accessible by their Chinese agent and almost certainly used by Hunter to secure foreign bribes and other corruption for the Biden family. And they're gonna go after Trump for records that President Trump had in the congressionally funded and heavily secured with Secret Service Protection 24 seven office of the former president with federally funded staff with secret uh, with security clearance and secret service protection this is obscene what they're doing to president trump and the american people are starting to wake up and see that this is obvious 
election interference. This is obvious lawfare. It's kind of like what the Democrats did during the Kavanaugh proceedings that I helped run on the Senate Judiciary Committee as then Chairman Chuck Grassley's chief counsel for nominations. The Democrats couldn't just stick to Christine Blasey Ford, who was lying through her teeth, but she was the most credible of all the dingbat bembos they rolled out during the Kavanaugh confirmation. Instead, they brought in five other allegations against Kavanaugh, including Michael Avenatti and Julie Swetnick, and it turned into a clown car. And every subsequent allegation against Kavanaugh made Christine Blasey Ford's allegations look cheaper and cheaper and cheaper and less credible and less credible and less credible. And in 2018, when Democrats won the House of Representatives, and it should have been a good year for Republicans, they lost four Senate Democrat incumbents. The same thing's happening with, with, with Trump. They can't just stick to the Mar-a-Lago raid. They brought three other indictments for nonsense, and it's backfiring. Uh, let me uh, shift gears here just a little bit, if I may, because I'm curious about this. Uh, you are obviously familiar uh, with the final report of special counsel John Durham. John Durham essentially asserts quite forcefully in his uh, long-awaited report uh, that there was no probable cause, in other words, no actual evidence of Russian collusion uh, with the Trump campaign to justify the appointment of Robert Mueller as special counsel, to justify the FISA warrants that were not only issued, but repeatedly renewed, uh, even though the government officials involved were fully aware that there was no legal rationale for uh, their issuance. Uh, and among those uh, who I think uh, come across very badly uh, in uh, the report, uh, in, including President uh, Barack Obama, Vice President Joe Biden, uh, Attorney General Loretta Lynch, uh, FBI Director uh, James Comey, our CIA Director John Brennan, uh, and the former NSA Director General James Clapper. Uh, Quite obviously, uh, Mr. Durham took his sweet time in order to ensure that although the revelations that were a bombshell to some, not to us, but to many, um, that nobody would really be prosecuted, that the statute of limitations would have run out. So Hillary Clinton, John Podesta, Jake Sullivan, all of whom were in on this illegal hoax, the greatest single dirty trick in American political history, essentially the use illegitimately and illegally of the full authority of the U.S. government for strictly political reasons uh, to weaponize a, uh, an effort to remove a duly elected president um, that nobody would be prosecuted. Now comes news that the Department of Homeland Security uh, Secretary Mayorkas has named former CI director James Brennan uh, and former uh, NSA director uh, James Clapper, uh, John Brennan, pardon me, and James Clapper uh, to uh, a, an intelligence advisory board uh, at DHS. Uh, what is undisclosed is whether this means they are back on the federal payroll. What we also don't know is if that means they get their uh, security clearances back although uh, I'm not even certain that even though President Trump ordered their security clearances canceled, that they were actually ever canceled by uh, the bureaucracy during the Trump years, 
What do you make of this? To me, it just appears to be a thumb in Donald Trump's eye. It essentially says we can break the law at will and we will pay no price for it whatsoever. How do you see it? Well, they're they're gearing up for their next election interference. They've done this for several election cycles. Now, remember, President Obama is a radical. He's a leftist. He's a Marxist. He's not an old school liberal Democrat who just disagreed with conservatives. Uh, he is a leftist, and he was very effective at stacking our law enforcement, federal law enforcement, including FBI and our uh, and our intel community, including the CIA and these DHS uh, program uh, uh, agencies. Obama was very effective at putting these operatives in these key career positions, and they stayed there during the Trump administration. They're still there, and remember what they did to President Trump before 2016. Hillary Clinton had her illegal home server that evidenced her the Clinton Foundation's illegal pay-for-play foreign bribery and corruption schemes. And this illegal home server was almost certainly hacked, probably by the Russians, probably by the Chinese. And so the, the Clinton campaign knew that this could come out before the 2016 election, and so they wanted to get out in front of that. And how do they how do they get out in front of that? They try to make it look like that president or then candidate Donald Trump was colluding with the Russians. This this uh, dirty trick. And so if this came out, they can say no, 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 no. This would this is all BS. This is just Trump playing dirty tricks with the Russians. This is Russian collusion. And you say how can you say that? That sounds like a conspiracy theory. The Democrats ran the exact same play in 2020. You had Biden, you had Hunter Biden and the Joe Biden and James Biden, every other sleazeball Biden taken tens of millions of dollars from China, from Russia, Ukraine, uh, every other scumbag armpit of the earth and Hunter Biden's laptop gets discovered, right? And so it's getting ready to come out that this laptop is gonna go public with all this Biden foreign corruption, foreign bribery and corruption. What did the FBI, what did the CIA do? They had these 51 former intel goons put out this letter that this is had all the hallmarks of a Russian disinformation campaign. So if this laptop came out, they can say, no, this was another dirty trick by the Russians. And then they can go to big tech and big media and say, don't report this. And so the New York Post, America's oldest newspaper, when they broke this story, was censored. And not only were they censored where this story was not reported anywhere, they had big tech censor this so it wouldn't be this the link could not be shared on social media and they even had it where amazon made it where the link could not even be posted on the internet they're doing the same thing they're going to do the same thing in 2024 with president trump they're already weaponizing our law enforcement and our intel agencies again to go after president trump on this mar-a-lago raid because president trump had his declassified crossfire hurricane records he declassified them via presidential memo the day before he left office and he took his personal copy of these presidential records. That's why we had the Mar-a-Lago raid is because these crossfire hurricane records are so damning. They blow the lid on Clinton and Obama and Biden and Clapper and the rest of these goons on the Russian collusion hoax. They've done it for three election cycles. So when you say they're getting their security clearances to put the the thumb in the eye, that's part of it. I actually think that they're getting their security clearances to make them operative again.
uh, excellent observer observation. One of the most disappointing things in Mr. Durham's report is that while he debunked the totally fake Steele dossier, uh, which was paid for initially by Hillary Clinton uh, and uh, had false allegations of sexual misconduct in Russia by President Donald Trump when he was visiting there, uh, owning a beauty pageant, they never really addressed uh, the falsity of the CrowdStrikes report, uh, which falsely claims that the Democratic National Committee uh, was the target of an online hack. Uh, we now know definitively uh, that the FBI, in my trial, admitted uh, in uh, pretrial motions that they never examined the servers of the DNC. They admitted that they relied entirely on the representations of a company called CrowdStrike. And then the head of CrowdStrike, a man named Sean Henry, who just happened to be a former deputy of Robert Mueller's at the FBI, testified under oath before the House Intelligence Committee, although it was classified for a long time, that his report included no proof whatsoever that the DNC had been the target of an online hack. So the whole false narrative, which I imagine at this point half the people in the country probably still believe, that the Russians hacked the DNC uh, and somehow gave that information to WikiLeaks, uh, is provably false. When my attorneys, my defense attorneys, wanted to use expert evidence, uh, pardon me, forensic evidence and expert testimony uh, it, by uh, former counterintelligence figure Bill Binney, uh, as well as uh, uh, James, I think it is, McGovern, uh, the judge, of course, would not allow that. I'm afraid President Trump is going to find that his defenses uh, in the days ahead are going to be similarly limited. Uh, Mr. Durham chose not to address this question at all, which means that later this evening, when I go out to dinner with my family, there's a 50-50 chance that some libtard is going to assault me as a quote-unquote Russian traitor. Uh, these liberals have no tolerance. Uh, they also are uninformed about the facts. Uh, this has been great. I want to thank our guest, uh, Mike Davis. Mike, give us a quick rundown, uh, if you will, on the Article 3 project, because what you're doing is so very important. I really appreciate that, Roger. I started the Article 3 project after I left the Senate Judiciary Committee because I saw how evil Democrats and the left were during the Kavanaugh confirmations, and I saw there was a void on the right. The Republicans, conservatives, are too weak and naive to understand what's going on in this fight. And so that's why I started the Article 3 project. We defend these constitutionalist judges. They have lifetime tenure. They have pay protection. They're not supposed to care about the politics, but they're still human. So we defend these constitutionalist judges when they keep the government in check. Uh, we defend President, we've defended President Trump for the last 13 months. Like I said, over a thousand media hits, constant opinion pieces, constant. Uh, social media engagement to defend President Trump. We have changed the public opinion on this, this these Democrat indictments, this Democrat lawfare and election interference, where 60% of Americans see Jack Smith's uh, Mar-a-Lago case, which is supposed to be the strongest one, as political. And we're going uh, to fight con to, to confirm constitutionalist judges going forward. We're going to have a key role when President Trump is back in office to help him pick his Supreme Court justices and his lower court judges to make sure we pick constitutionalist judges with a backbone who understand
their critical role is to protect everyday Americans from government tyranny and government breakdown. All right. Uh, thank you yet again. Uh, Mike Davis has a very lively feed on X, formerly known as Twitter. Uh, let me pull that up, if I may. Or, Mike, you can say it out loud. Go ahead. Yeah, it's, it's, so it's or, our, web, our website's article3project.org, article3project.org. You can donate there. We're on Getter, Twitter, Truth, at Article 3 Project, at Article Number 3 Project. My personal, when I'm not kicked off, is MRD. D-M-I-A, Michael R. Davis, Des Moines, Iowa, M-R-D-D-M-I-A. I know I sound like I'm Brooklyn. I'm from Brooklyn, but I'm from Iowa. Okay. Mike Davis, uh, not only a great patriot, uh, but formerly worked for one of the greatest senators uh, in American political history, a true American patriot, someone has been my privilege to know since 1978, uh, Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa. They literally don't make them like that anymore. Uh, he is a, a standout in the current U.S. Senate. Uh, even uh, at his age, he's uh, sharp as a tack and probably the number one protector of justice and freedom in this country. Uh, I salute uh, you for your service to him, uh, and I salute Senator Grassley for his great service to this country. Mike Davis, thank you so much for joining us in the Stone Zone. Thank you, Roger. Uh, thanks uh, again to Mike Davis. I do have to remind you in the few minutes we have left uh, that today's show is brought to you by the great folks at MyPillow.com. Now, yesterday, as I said on the air, I have received a subpoena from Hunter Biden's lawyers. Uh, this is legal harassment. Uh, why they're subpoenaing me, I have no idea. Everything I know about Hunter Biden's laptop, uh, I read in the New York Post or subsequently learn more about it, MarcoPoloUSA.org. So any fever dream, any crazy conspiracy theory uh, that holds that I knew about or possessed or passed on uh, anything in relationship to Hunter Biden's laptop prior to reading about it in the New York Post is an egregious lie or a nutty left-wing conspiracy theory. However, I must now, unfortunately, go retain a Delaware state attorney since this action is filed uh, in the Delaware state courts to defend myself. And I will wait to hear from the lawyers, but I imagine to seek to quash this baseless harassment by Hunter Biden's $1,800 an hour lawyers. So I need your help. And the best way you can help me right this moment is by going to MyPillow.com, MyPillow.com. And when you do, please use promo code STONE. So you can help Mike Lindell in his epic struggle with the deep state, but you can also help Mrs. Stone and I in this new legal challenge. Uh, by uh, the commissions that we earn uh, at MyPillow.com. Now, if you saw the incredibly entertaining deposition of Mike Lindell in which some smart-ass left-wing lawyer accused him of selling lumpy pillows, well, uh, Mike Lindell was right to be angry about that because his pillows are extraordinary. I speak, of course, about the revolutionary new MyPillow 2.0. Uh, the MyPillow 2.0 is the first new pillow introduced by Mike Lindell in over 20 years, uh, and it employs uh, a highly 
proprietary cooling technology woven into the pillow, which keeps the pillow cool to the touch uh, all night. Mike Lindell likes to say that height and temperature are the two keys to a good night's sleep. Uh, I can underline that because I have now gotten my revolutionary new MyPillow 2.0, and now I cannot really sleep without it. And now Mike Lindell has introduced a new special offer. You'll see the price here was $89.98, in which case you got one free pillow, but now you can get a four-pack of the revolutionary new MyPillow 2.0 product uh, for a low, low $99.98. This used to be, as you can see, $259.92. So uh, go to MyPillow right now, order your new uh, MyPillow 2.0, or perhaps the MyPillow dog beds, or the pet blankets, or the all-season slippers, uh, or the uh, MyPillow sandals, uh, or the MyPillow throw blankets. Uh, I'm a great fan of the bathrobes, which I think are still on a closeout sale. Uh, the six-piece towel set, the most absorbent, luxurious terry cloth towels you can get anywhere. Uh, the MyPillow mattress toppers, uh, the uh, famous Percal and Giza dream sheets. There are many, many great products, and I can tell you firsthand that Mike Lindell is a tyrant when it comes to quality. So you can help Mike Lindell and us here at the Stone Zone and help fight Hunter Biden's outrageous new assault on me and Mrs. Stone by going to MyPillow.com right now and using promo code STONE. Anyway, we're out of time. I am Roger Stone. This has been the Stone Zone. Thanks again to attorney Mike Davis uh, with the Article 3 Project for joining us. Until tomorrow, God bless you and Godspeed. I'm excited to announce that you've all made MyPillow 2.0 a huge success. And with your amazing support, we've been able to expand MyPillow's USA manufacturing and jobs. And to make room for this, we're clearing out a line of our percale bed sheets. And to thank you, I'm bringing them to you at closeout prices. Use your promo code and you get my king size for only $39 a set. Queens, $35, Fulls, $29, and twin size, just $25. I'm interrupted this commercial to let you know that we've received the last two shipments of these percale bed sheets and because of this i've been able to add more colors sizes and even prints and they're still at closeout prices so go to mypillow.com or call the number on your screen now use your promo code and you'll get my king size only 39 dollars a set queens 35 dollars full $29 and twin size just $25. Order now. Once they're gone, they're gone for good.